And then this week, we get to the part where we get to the reward. What, you know, what do I get? And, and, and that probably wasn't, yeah, it was. That was probably their thinking. Okay, Lord, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to stand up for you. I'm going to have perseverance through this tribulation, through this slander. I'm going I'm to be brave. I'm going to have courage. I'm not going to fear. I'm going to have faith in you. Is it worth it, God? Is everything I'm about to go through for you? Because let's be honest, Jesus, if, 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 I, if I step back, if it wasn't for you, I would not be going through this right now. So God, is this going to be worth it? And we talked about the crown of life that Jesus said that they would get uh, last week. And how the crown, how Jesus used this language throughout um, when he said, I'm the first and the last, who, the one who is dead and, and is now alive. How that related to Smyrna as a city was almost gone as a city some 400 years before this letter was written and it had come back and Jesus is saying you think you're proud you've got a great city because it was dead and came back I'm a man but I'm God I was dead and I came back and it means a lot more than your city surviving and then we talked about last week how the reward of a, a the inheritance of a crown of life Smyrna, the way it was built on the side of the hill, and the way they built, especially the temples and the government buildings, it looked like a studded crown sitting on this, this hill. And Jesus says, you live in the crown of Asia Minor. You live in the crown of this area. I will give you a crown of life, a real crown, a crown that means more. And not a crown that's golden and studded and, and makes you the king, but the crown we talked about last week, the wreath that they got for winning an athletic event, that kind of crown. Those are the things God has been talking, Jesus has been talking about. And now he says to them, you've gone through all this stuff, you know this is going to happen. There is a reward for your perseverance, he tells them. There is a reward for your courage, he tells them. And I'm sure that was comforting to some extent. But what was that reward? Well, that reward was no judgment. And that at first that sounds like, oh, gee, thanks. I'd rather have a new car or something. No judgment. Let's read it again. Revelation 2.11. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The victor will never be harmed by the second death. Now we talked about, at the end of the letter to the church at Ephesus, we talked about the him who has an ear, what that means to us. And we're going to rehash that a little bit, and we're going to rehash that every third week, because Jesus ends every section here with, let him who has an ear hear. Remember, we talked about what that means. Ultimately, it means, let the truth of God's word sink in. Have an ear to hear. Christians, have an ear to hear what Jesus is telling you. Don't tune it out and say, oh, that would never happen to me. We're not persecuted that way in America. Oh, I'll be able to stand up to it. Or, oh, I'm so tired of hearing about this or anything like that. Christians have an ear to hear. When God speaks through his word, we are to listen. And we're to actively listen. And by actively listen, I mean we're to act on what we've heard. 
So have an ear to hear. Let the truth of God's Word sink in. And we also talked about how, what is your response to what you hear. Are you saddened? When, when Jesus tells us something, when God's Word speaks to us, and He says, have an ear to hear, what is our first response? What is our gut response? Are we shocked, saddened, or uh, broken by what we hear? Do we hear God's Word and go, gosh, that is me. He is talking to me. Great. Then, very likely, you will respond in repentance and you'll draw closer to God. And that's the goal. That's the goal not just for Christians, that's the goal for the lost. To hear and their hearts to be softened and to respond to God's Word. And to come back and say, yes, I, I want to draw near to you, Lord. I want to repent. Or is your response angry, dismissive, unaffected? When you hear, do you tune it out? I don't want to hear that. I've heard it before. That's not for me. I don't care what it says. I want to live my life. Then you will respond in defiance. And you will push away from Christ. As we talked about in the past, so long we will push away from Christ that eventually we will never again have ears to hear. We will so harden our hearts that we will never hear God speak to our spirits again. And then there will be, by our own choice, no coming back. And we don't want to get that way. As Christians, we don't want to respond that way and, and completely tune God out so that we never grow. But we also don't want to, as, as, as lost, so discount God's Word that we never respond and we lose out on that opportunity. Ultimately, what Jesus has said in the past is that the saved will hear Him and the lost won't. But the lost can respond. See, the, the lost won't hear him every time. But ultimately, eventually, by their choice, the lost will respond. So let him who has an ear, let him hear what I'm telling you. Let him hear the warning. Let him hear the encouragement. And let him hear of the salvation you can have. Jesus goes on, to say just exactly what he said uh, at the end of the letter to Ephesus. He says that the victor, the victor, in this case, will never be harmed by the second death. That victor, we talked about what it meant to be victorious. That word victor also means overcomer. That's a good translation of the word. In, in this passage, it would mean one who is victorious. But if you think of someone who's victorious, what have they done? They've overcome. If you think of, a, uh, let's go back to the Summer Olympics. If you think of, in particular, the wrestlers, when you watch the Olympics, they overcame their opponent. That's why they were victors. Usain Bolt outran everybody else without trying, really. Uh, he overcame everyone else. He was the victor. Even in the things that aren't, you aren't competing one-on-one -on -one with someone else, Physically, the archers, I watched them archery this summer, they overcame their competitors by focus, determination, concentration, and of course, commitment 
to practice their art, their, their sport. And they overcame. And if you watch particularly the archers, they had to overcome a lot more than just the guy next to them shooting at that target. They had to account for the wind and the distance. And you would see them point, and they'd raise it up a little bit, and then they'd test the wind, and they'd move over a little bit. And I saw a couple that would let loose the arrow, but right as they let loose, the wind stopped. And they had aimed to the left, and they missed their target by a pretty big margin. But they were victors because they, they took into account every part of their sport, both uh, who they were competing against and outside forces, and they focused, and they were committed, and they were victors. But they overcame. They overcame the wind. They overcame the distance. So who is the victor here? The victor is the one who believes with saving faith. The one who has these ears to hear. That is the victor. The one who will truly win. The one who will overcome. Now, the question, I think, becomes... Let's go back and read. In verse 9. I know your tribulation, your poverty, yet you're rich. I know the slander of those who say they're Jews. Verse 10, don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. The devil is about to throw some of you in prison to test you. You will have tribulation. We've talked about that's torture. For 10 days, be faithful unto death. Why until death? Because some of you are going to die horribly. And I will give you the crown of life. Okay, let's see. Let's, let's take some inventory here. Um, after all this, after torture, poverty, slander, prison, tribulation, death. Jesus, after all that, you're going to call me an overcomer? Okay, let's, let's define our words a little bit better here, Jesus. Overcome means I win. Overcome means I'm wrestling an opponent. And they would have known this language in the New Testament. They, they had the... The, the wrestling in the Olympics. Overcoming means I overcame him. I won. I did not lose. I did not get beat. I won. I was victorious. Tribulation, poverty, slander, prison, torture, and death. I don't hear win in that, Jesus. I don't hear winning overcoming victory, defeat of the other thing. I don't hear that in those words, Jesus. How can I overcome these things? It's counterintuitive. And yet Jesus says, to those who overcome, I will give. The victor, the victor, the ones who win, the ones who make it, Well, it's not that we have to get Jesus to, de to redefine victor. It's not that Jesus doesn't understand what that means. It's not that we have to convince him, wait a minute, you said victor and now you're saying torture. Those things are mutually exclusive. We have to understand that definition of victor. As was up there earlier, the one who believes with saving faith. John 16, 33. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. You know what that word conquered means? Overcome. I'm the victor, Jesus says. So if we are transferring our faith, if we're transferring our definition of victory, we say victory means I win and I'm not hurt. Jesus says victory is the world has no power anymore. So if we transfer our definition of victory along with our faith to Jesus, our definition of victory is now different. Overcoming is now something more than just winning and not experiencing bad stuff. Because Jesus says, you will have suffering in this world. You will have suffering in this world. But be courageous, I've overcome the world. But Jesus, you said I'll have suffering. I know I did. When I said I have overcome, it doesn't mean I've gotten rid of suffering. It doesn't mean I've gotten rid of the tribulation and the prison and the poverty and the slander and the torture and the death. What it means is I have overcome the world's hold on you. No longer are you bound by your sin. No longer are you bound. Not even is death the end anymore. Yeah, you're going to die. Jesus says, I died. I was tortured. I knew poverty. I knew slander. He still does, by the way. And I knew death. And yet, I overcame the world. So is your faith in you to, to, to subdue your opponent? Or is your faith in me to subdue your opponent for you? If I'm in a boxing match, and let's say, I'm going to go back in time here a little bit, because I don't know any of the boxers today. Uh, and I've got to face George Foreman. Not his grill, him. <laughs> I've got to face him. He's, he's, he's large. And I guarantee you right now he'd win. I could take him on at this moment and he would beat me, okay? But I got to face him. But let's say Muhammad Ali comes up and says he'll fight him for me. But I get the win. What kind of idiot would I be to say, no, I got this, Muhammad, thanks. <laughs> and yet that is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says, you're not going to overcome the world. You will have suffering. You will have pain and tribulation and poverty and slander and torture and, and death. You will. But I have overcome the world. I will defeat the world for you. As a matter of fact, this is past tense. I have conquered the world. This is even before the, the, the cross here. And he knew he had conquered the world. Before he ever went on the cross, he knew it's over. Satan may not realize it yet. Y'all don't know anything about it. But let me tell you, it is over. I have conquered the world. I've conquered sin. I've conquered death. Now, are you going to let me fight? Or are you going to continue to fight for yourself? We are victors 
through Jesus Christ. And we are ultimately victors. We are victors now. Our salvation makes us victorious. Right now, we are the champions, my friend. Okay? We are it. We've got the gold medal. We're standing on the podium right now in heaven. It's done. We've won. And yet we look around and say, I don't see it. Because we're still having suffering in this world. The beauty is that no amount of suffering can take away our victory. Romans 8, 35 through 39, and I apologize for the minuteness of the letters. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That pretty well covers it, right? As it is written, because of you, and if you notice... Yeah, the Y is capitalized. Because of Jesus, because of you, Jesus, Paul's writing, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, close the book. It's over, right? Because of you, Jesus, we're done for. We're being killed. Line us up. In this area, maybe it works better to say we're cows being slaughtered, chickens being slaughtered. We're, we're hanging upside down in the factory just waiting to have the heads popped off or however it happens over there. You know, we're, 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 we, there's no fight. There's nothing we can do. We're just lined up to be, in slaughter, be slaughtered. It's over. Paul doesn't stop. No. He, he answers the question. The question we ask, but he doesn't print, the question of, is that it? We're being slaughtered? Are we done? No. In all these things, in all what things, Paul? Be clear, man. In all the anguish, in all the affliction, in all the persecution, in all the famine, the nakedness, the danger of the sword, as we are lined up to get our throats cut, in all these things, we're doing okay. No. We're victorious. No, we are more than victorious. See, we would count victory as not being slaughtered. We won. We didn't die. Pastor um, Yusef Nadarkhani, Nadarkhani, eh, I can't remember exactly, Iranian pastor. He's been in prison for, had been in prison for 1,100 days, something like that, over three years. He had been in prison in Iran for what? Being a Christian, telling Muslims about Jesus, and he was in prison. Had the death sentence. He was released yesterday, day before. Only a work of God. And he still faces some stuff, but he is out of prison after this long. He would, could, he could say, and I wish I had his letter. I had a letter he wrote to some friends in the U.S., and, and I, didn't, uh, I didn't bring it today. He could have said, I've won. I'm out of prison. I'm no longer in, in, in line to be slaughtered. That's victory. I am victorious. Yay. Paul says, and I guarantee you, Pastor Yusuf would say the same thing. I am more, victor more than victorious. Leave me in prison and kill me, and I am more than victorious through that than I would be through release. Because through him who loved us. 
See, my victory is not over being in prison. My victory is not over being impoverished. My victory is not the end of persecution. My victory is the day I die and go to be with Jesus. That's my victory. That's when I've overcome this world, ultimately and fully. We are more than victorious through him who loved us. Why, Paul? Please make it clear to us. Okay. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate me. I am victorious regardless of what happens on earth because I never leave God's hands. Ever. As a Christian. So, we are victors. And we're victors not based on what does or does not happen to us on this earth. We are victors because Jesus was victorious. John, Romans, and numerous other places make it clear. We are victors through Jesus Christ. But victors over what? Okay, it's one thing to say we're victors. And it's one thing to say that we're victors over death. But the problem is, Jesus, we still die. So it's hard to understand how we're victorious over death if we still die. It's hard to understand how we're victorious over suffering if we still suffer. Well, Romans has told us in this world we, are, we will have suffering. And Jesus makes it clear in, chat, in verse 11, the victor will never be harmed by the second death. Notice that John, nor Jesus, nor Paul, nor anybody ever says you're excluded from the first death. We are not, we, we go through death. Death will defeat this body. At death, our soul is separated from the body. You know, but this thing's going to die. Uh, some of you look at me now, you're thinking, looks like it's already dying. Uh, I got that. All right. It's going away. My soul won't. We are not, C.S. Lewis said, we are not bodies that have souls. We are souls that have bodies. We live on. This stuff goes away. We're not saved from that first death. We are saved from the second death. Well, what is that second death? That second death is eternal judgment, damnation, and hell. This is the soul separated from God. Eternally. Tortuously separated from God. That's what we are saved from. And Paul makes it clear, I'm sorry, John makes it clear, or rather Jesus makes it clear through John, later on in Revelation chapter 20, again, small print. Flip there if you need to. Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15. John is telling them, Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. And the one's capitalized, so we're talking about Jesus here. Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works and by what was written in the books. According to their works by what was written in the books. 
Then the sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead. All were judged according to their works. All were judged according to their works. We will give an account someday for what we've done and what we haven't done in this life. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone, and here's the kicker, and anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Notice the lake of fire is not reserved for the, the, the good and the bad works that are weighted in our lives. The lake of fire is for death, which is finally overcome. Hell, which is overcome. Satan, along with it. And anyone not found written in the book of life. That is the second death. That is the judgment that regardless of what happens on this earth, if we trust Christ, we never experience. We never experience that second death. That eternal separation from God. Now, we look at it and we say, sounds good. I mean, don't we? It, it sounds nice. But God, it still hurts. Yeah, he says he knows. We do not have a high priest who does not understand what we're going through, Jesus says in Hebrews. But we have a high priest who, just like us, has suffered and been tempted. Yeah, he knows it stinks. But he knows that the reward, the fact that we will never be judged, is worth it. We will not experience the second death. So the questions I have, do you feel any persecution today? Not today, today. I mean, in your life, as a Christian, do you feel any persecution? We know, we understand that as of this moment in the U.S., we are not persecuted unto death by the government as a, as a uh, policy of culture for our faith. Pastor Youssef, on the other hand, experiences it every day. Christians in Sudan and China and Vietnam and Iraq, and Afghanistan, and on, and Egypt now, and on, and on, and on. Experience it every day. Persecution unto death. All I'm asking you is, do you get anything for being a Christian? Do you, do you, anything happen because you're a Christian? Do you? Do you fear the testing that, that John, uh, that Jesus talks about when he's talking to John in verse 10. And he says, the devil's going to throw you in prison to test you. Do you fear that testing? You know, my biggest fear uh, on, on test day, whatever the test was, was that I would fail. I'm not scared of questions. I'm not scared of multiple choice. I'm not scared of Scantron sheets. I was scared of failure. 
If I knew the stuff, give me the test. Don't give us time to study. Give me the test. I want it. Plow through it. If I'm scared of the test, that is a lack of preparation on my part. If you're scared of the test that Jesus might ask you to go through, is it lack of preparation on your part? Are you not ready for the test because you know you're going to fail that test? Do you wonder if you have that crown of life? See, the great thing about the crown of life, the, the, the victory crown we talked about last week, and he talks about the end of verse 11 or verse 10, is that we have that crown now. See, upon our salvation, upon accepting Jesus Christ, we're given the crown of life. We are victorious. Like I said, we're standing right now on the podium with a gold medal around our necks. We have the crown of life right now if we've accepted Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to get that crown fully someday, but it's, it's a right now proposition. Do you wonder if you have that crown? Do you have an ear to hear? Is all this stuff getting through, sinking in, chipping away at the stone that may be your heart right now? Or are you just determined, no, this is not for me. This is bunk. It's as stupid, it's childish, it's silly, it's, yeah, it's uh, old wives' tales. Do you have an ear to hear what's being said? Do you fear the second death? You know, you're, you know you're going to die the first time, but you know, that whole judgment seat, I don't know what Jesus is going to find, and I don't know what he's going to do when he gets my name. And I don't know that I'm in that second book there, the, the book of life. Then I'm going to tell you boldly and honestly, depending on how you answer these questions, you're no victor. You're not saved. It's a harsh reality to say, just because I'm not persecuted, no, not just because you're not persecuted, that in and of itself doesn't mean you're not saved. Let me ask it a different way, since we do live in America. Does anybody even know you're a Christian? If they do, somebody's going to mock you. It'll be teasing. But they're not going to all just say, well, that's wonderful. I'm so glad to know that. Doesn't work that way. Even, you know, there's some of us, it doesn't matter how much we study, we're scared of the test. I mean, let's be honest. It, it's a test. I just, yeah, I hate tests. Okay, I got that. I, I understand it. And, and when we're talking about the kind of test like prison and torture and death, I would fear that as well. I, I would fear going through it. What I would not fear, I might fear the questions and the multiple choice and the scantron. What I would not fear is my grade. So when Jesus says, I'm going to test you, if your response isn't, whew, it's going to be tough, but I know that Jesus and I can handle this. I mean, come on. We're about to foster and adopt. And, and, and they make sure to tell us every possible horror story that has ever happened in the life of fostering and adopting children. 
You know, we are not going to get the, 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 the child who, at, you know, at birth, mama who is perfectly clean and healthy and has never done a drug in her life and never puffed a cigarette and never took a sip of alcohol and, 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 and she just says, oh, it's a beautiful day and I can't do this with my child, so here you go, Mr. and Mrs. Linton. You take care of my perfectly wonderful baby who has no problems. Awesome if we got that. That's just not the, not the, not the place we're in. And, and, and that's not why we're doing it. We're going to get the children that are hurting badly. And we are going to, we're going to be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. Our resolve is going to be tested. And we know some days we're not going to make as good a grade as we might make on other days. But what we do know is that God has called us to this. With all the ugly, with all the hurt. I mean, just, just the idea, first of all, of what these kids have to go through to end up in our house. But then the stories of the ones that you get, and they're yours for 364 days. And then mama comes back and for whatever reason is able to tell the court, no, I'm fine, thanks, I'll take my baby back, and she can have it. We're going to be tested. And there are days when I think I will probably think I'm failing. But here's the reality. I may be scared of those days, and I may be scared of the process, and the hurt, and the pain, but I know Jesus has called me to this, Jesus is with me, and I will not fail the test. And that's just my story, that's just it right now. What's yours right now? What's the test you're worried about? Do you wonder if the crown of life is yours? It can be. If you are even slightly intrigued, pinprick of emotion, something, then you have ears to hear. You're not too far gone. You are not too set in your old Christian ways to hear God speak to you. You're not so lost that Jesus can't save you. You, you don't have to fear the second death. How? Victor over sin. Victory, victorious, overcome. Sin has its days on us, but we overcome it through Jesus Christ. We are sinners, and we're always going to be sinners. But we're either going to be sinners saved by grace or sinners lost. To be a sinner saved by grace, we have steps. This is just a good way of explaining it. Admit that you're a sinner. God, I've broken your law. I am a sinner. I do not deserve the free gift you offer. I am outside of your, your world, your spiritual world. I'm here physically, but my soul is not yours. 
I admit that I am your enemy, the Bible calls us. Believe. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We, we struggle with some stuff in the Bible. I mean, get five Baptists in the room and discuss a topic, you're going to get six opinions. And that's all right. But what I do believe, and what we must believe, is that Jesus is our only hope. I can't do it. I can't earn it. I don't deserve it, and I'm not going to get it, except through Jesus Christ. And then we confess. We've had this discussion, Etta and I, over, through the, over this week, uh, some stuff, just stuff see on the internet and you talk about. If you're a child... And you've never heard, you know, the whole, I need to confess. And there are no children. Well, one, two, a couple. You've never heard that you have to say it out loud. Then, then you think, oh, well, I have to say it out loud, then I'm fine. Maybe. As an adult, if you are unwilling to tell people you're a Christian, and we say confess, you know, it's not that... It's not the coming down front. It's not the raising your hand. It's not even the baptism, very public confession. It really just comes down to, are you willing to tell people you're a Christian? That's the confession. As an adult, if we aren't willing to tell people of our faith, do we have that faith? And that's why the confession is so important. That's why John said, 1 John says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We don't believe the confession saves you. The word saves you. And I don't believe that's what John's saying. What John is saying is, if you believe, but can't confess, do you believe? Because the flip is always, the, 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 the converse is also true. If you confess, oh, I'm sure I'm a Christian, but you don't really believe, just saying you're a Christian doesn't do anything. So we confess. We put it out there. Yeah, this is what's in my heart. This is what's going on in me. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is my only hope. Notice that repent there too. I admit that I'm a sinner, but I turn from my sins. And I confess, Jesus Christ, that you are my Lord and my Savior. I don't understand how, maybe, or when, but God, I know, I know that I trust you and nothing else. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that we would be people, God, that persevere and have courage. But God, I pray that we would be a people who know without a doubt that we are unaffected by the second death. God, I pray that we are a people who are persecuted for our faith. That our faith is so obvious that we suffer whatever persecution is we suffer today in America. But that we suffer it. That our lives are not so conformed to the world that nobody notices a difference in us from everybody else. God, I pray that we are bold in our faith. 
that we are so obviously yours that no one ever has to question it. God, move in our hearts this morning. Let us know your salvation. Let us know the decision that we need to make for you today. Speak to us as we pray, as we sing. God, move in this place. Amen. He wrote you the letters. He tells you what to do, and he asks for a response. What is your response? What is he inviting you today to do? Do you need to give to heart, your heart to Jesus for the first time? Do you need to pray, give it to him? You know, the, again, the prayer doesn't save you, and if you come down front or you fill out the card or whatever, that's not the salvation part. The salvation is what's going on in here, inside you. Is Jesus calling you, and will you come? Do you need to be baptized? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you still need to follow in believer's baptism? Make that, that public part that we believe as Baptists doesn't, again, save you, but it is vital for you to follow in obedience behind Jesus. Probably one of the first steps of obedience you'll take. Is that you today? Do you need to lead a life of holiness? You are a Christian. You've been baptized. But it's time for you to start giving back for what God has done for you. It's time for you to start acting like you belong to Him. Start acting like you appreciate the gift He gave you instead of, you know, just one more trophy you've got sitting on a shelf somewhere. Do you need to be used by God? Do you need to join our church? As we sing this morning, come forward, talk to me if you want to. Let's pray. Fill out the card. Let's talk this week. Come down to the steps at the altar. Pray. What is God leading you to do today? Let's stand and sing. We don't have to fear, folks. That's what Jesus came for. We are no longer conquered by sin and death. But we've got to get that message out. Because there are plenty of people out there who still are. Some of them don't even know about the second death. Some of them don't even know about Jesus. Well, that's why we exist. And that's why we're going to places like Spain and Vancouver and wherever else God tells us to go. To take the gospel to those who need to hear it. Let's be a church that it will persevere and will be courageous and a church that knows that the true crown of life is nothing we can ever have on this earth but something only Jesus Christ can give. And let's rejoice in that as we go this week.